Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Well, we want to say thank you today. Um, it's because of churches like you that, that we are able to do what we do. And we're able to make an impact in our students' lives. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Steve and your family. You guys have been great hosts, but also the fact that you love BBC. And the fact that, that you're leading your church and you're, you're making missions a priority, you're making ministry a priority. We need churches like that. Um, this morning we're going to talk about living with passion. What does it mean to live with passion for the Lord? And here's the deal. Living with passion, it's going to be your choice. You know, BBC, the place that I, that I, that I work at and, and I'm able to minister to students all the time, that literally God has placed within their heart and their life a calling and a passion to serve him. Like these guys, these kids are like, they are all in. I would love to take this whole church on a little trip to Springfield, Missouri, so you could experience our students. I, I get to see it all the time. They have a passion for, for going out. You know, how many of you went on the Man of Missions trip this week? Raise your hand. There was, yeah, okay, now I see all of you. Yeah, that's awesome. One of our graduates is Bruce O'Neill, who started Mana Worldwide. He has a passion to not only see young people be fed physically, but also to spread God's word and start churches all over the world. That's a great passion. Wouldn't you agree with that? And I think that sometimes we get lost in the shuffle of life and we forget the first love that we have when we first got to know who Jesus is and was and the passion that, that came into our hearts the day that we accepted him as our savior. And when life goes on, our passion kind of subsides. What are you passionate about? What drives you? What makes you wake up in the morning? Some of you may say your alarm, right? Yeah. Or your spouse. Or maybe your mom and dad wakes you up in the morning. I don't know. Anybody like that? I know my kids are like that. We've got to have passion. There's a few things that I'm passionate about. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. OH? Okay, there we go. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. I love a few things, okay? Obviously, I love music. I love, I'm very passionate about music, but man, I love the Cavs. My boys, the basketball team of the century. Am I right? (laughs) Do not tell me you guys are Golden State Warrior fans. No. Um, I love, and in fact, uh, in, and some people are not, some people are not uh, as, as uh, uh, they don't agree with me on this, but I believe that LeBron James is one of the most passionate basketball players I've ever seen in my life. Now, he may not be the GOAT, and I know that's, a, that's another whole scenario, right? But, but he just, he, I love watching him play, and, and I, I just love seeing Cavs basketball. I also love pizza. Anybody else with me? <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. I finally found one that everybody agrees with. That's good, yeah. 
Um, I also, I love Ohio State football. I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a Buckeye fan, all right? But, but see, here's the deal. There are things in my life that I can love, but it doesn't mean that I'm passionate or that I'm all in about those things or that I would even die for those things. There are a few things that I would die for. Uh, one is my, my wife. We just celebrated 20 years of marriage this past week. And so, yeah. She just gave me the little wink, so that's pretty cool. This is my wife, Rochelle. Um, and we've been doing ministry together for, man, for 20 years. It's crazy to think about that. I remember when I was younger thinking like 20 years is like a really long time from now. And now we've been together half of my life. And, and that's crazy to think about. Um, I also am passionate about my kids. I have a, an 18-year-old that just graduated high school, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life, and, and, uh, but I'm passionate about him. And I also have a, a younger son named Brady, Riley and Brady, who, uh, who is a sophomore in high school. And Riley, is our oldest, is very passionate about music and things like that. And parents, you probably could relate, but kids are complete opposite, am I right? And so uh, our youngest... Uh, he's more uh, passionate about basketball and girls. That's about it. But I'm also passionate about God and what God can do within my life and in my heart. And I hope that you are too. I hope that coming to this place is not just something that you do on a weekly basis. That's not just part of your routine. But it's something that, that you do because you love the Lord. Because you're passionate about what God is doing within your heart and within your life. And so today we're going to look at two, uh, two different guys, okay? If you would turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles. If not, the verses are going to be up on the screen. We're going to look at two different gentlemen that are in the exact same chapter of the Bible, Mark chapter 10. And these two guys couldn't be more opposite than my kids, one guy had everything in life. One guy had all of the riches. He had everything that he ever desired. It looked like he had everything going for him. And our other guy is a beggar. Our other guy was disabled. The other guy, it looked like he had nothing going for him. The other guy was shunned. One was praised and one was pushed to the side. But here's the deal. No matter where we're at in our life, no matter what circumstances come our way in this life, there is only one God and there is only one Jesus and there is only one way to heaven and that's through you making one choice to follow him. So our two guys have a choice. One has passion and he gave his all. One guy knew that Jesus was what he needed and he pursued him with everything that he had. One guy would ask, what does it take? And, and, and one guy would ask, well, I, I need to kind of weigh my options here. I, I may have a different offer or I may want to go a different way with my life. There's a difference between desiring a cushy Christian life and then one that pursues passionately after Jesus Christ. So my hope today is that, and we're not going to be very long, but that you would take a look in your spiritual mirror this morning 
and just ask, where am I at with this? Am I really passionate about what God can do in my life? So we're going to pick up this story in Mark chapter 10. Um, and I love this story. This is right in the, mid- the middle of Jesus' earthly ministry is what we call it. And he's going around to different places and in and out of cities. And he's got, I mean, if you could just picture, he's got the, the trail of the disciples around him. And he's got a, a big crowd of people that's following him everywhere he goes. And the, verse 17, it starts off. And this is the, the story of what we call the, the rich young ruler. Have you guys ever heard of that story before? Raise your hand. We're going to call him Prince Harry today. Is that all right? Okay. So Prince, Prince Harry, that gives us a good picture of this rich young ruler. And so it says this in verse 17. It says, as Jesus started um, starting out on his way to Jerusalem, so Jesus is going to the city of Jerusalem, this man, the rich young ruler, this guy, he actually comes running up to Jesus and he kneels down and he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that seems like some passion right there, doesn't it? I mean, this, this rich young ruler, he sees Jesus afar off, and he's, and he's willing to run towards Jesus because he knows there's something different about Jesus. He knows that Jesus has something to offer him that he doesn't have. Now, remember, this guy is the guy who has everything in his life. The rich young ruler knew that Jesus was who he said he was, and, and there was something that he desired that Jesus had. And then verse 18, Jesus responds, and he says, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, right? Only God is truly good. Jesus is just confirming to this rich young ruler, do you really know who I am? Okay, because remember, Jesus is Jesus, right? So Jesus knows who the rich young ruler is. But he's trying to confirm within the rich young ruler's heart and in his life, do you really know who I am? Verse 19, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. You must not honor your father. And, uh, you must honor your father. You must not. Yeah, we got a little one of these. <laughs> the preacher said I could. All right, okay. Honor your father and your mother. The list could go on for us. You must go to church. <laughs> you must, you must, you must, you must. So what Jesus is trying to get to the fact of is that our rich young ruler, our Prince Harry here, right? He's trying to instill with him that there's these lists of things that you've done. And in your heart, you think that that list is good enough. And he's bringing it down to a point where he's trying to figure out where is Harry's heart. (laughs) Where do your true passions lie, Harry? The verses go on. Let's go to verse 21. The guy confirms, yes, I know these things. And Jesus looks on him, the Bible says, with love. Jesus wasn't trying to trick this guy. He wasn't trying to just get the one thing that this guy said that he wanted to keep. But Jesus is really trying to get to the heart of the matter here. And he's saying, you've done all these different things. So now there's one thing left. Rich young ruler, the one thing that you need to do to inherit eternal life is really just be all in for me is what he's telling him. There's one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
then come and follow me. Now, is Jesus telling us to have things as bad? I don't think so. What he's doing is he's getting to where Harry's heart is. Where is this young rich ruler really at? Is he passionate about me? Is he willing to follow me with his life? Well, verse 22, this is kind of one of those verses where as a parent you can relate. And I've seen this on my children's face. When they ask you for something and you turn around and tell them what it's going to take to get that thing. And this is what happens to your children's face. At this, the man's face fell. Everybody do that with me. Right? The demeanor changes. The man realizes that, man, I'm not sure if this is really worth it. The Bible tells us he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Just a few quick thoughts on this story of this man. Having a desire to follow Jesus is a good first step. This guy did. He ran to Jesus. But it's not enough. Having a desire for Jesus is a good first step, but it's not enough. Knowing what the Bible says is great, but it's not enough. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your all. Well, we skip down to verse 46, and we find another story. It's amazing. It's in the same chapter. Just like my kids, polar opposites, right? The rich young ruler, we'll call him Prince Harry, right? And then we have blind Bartimaeus. Verse 46, it says this. So remember, Jesus is traveling around, right? He's bouncing from town to town. And he's going to a city called Jericho. Remember, Jericho was the one that we just sang about with the walls falling down, right? Well, they're in the city of Jericho. And the Bible says that they went in and now they're coming out. So there was a lot of activity just in this first verse. So Jesus goes in and I'm imagining that that Jesus comes in with his disciples, but the the Bible says that a large crowd followed him. So that means that Jesus, um, his popularity was growing in this city while he was there and he was ministering. And all of a sudden, this blind beggar named Bartimaeus, complete opposite of our rich young ruler, realizes he's got an opportunity to take advantage of. And he's going to do everything that he can. He's going to be all in with all that he has. And so it says in verse 47, when blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was near... He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, they didn't have the Bible back then. So it's not like they knew scripture before scripture happened, right? So Jesus is coming to town. He's starting to uh, have a stir within the the city. People are starting to notice who Jesus is. and, And blind Bartimaeus is like, man, I've got to take advantage of this one shot. I've got to give my all. I've got to be all in with this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he is pouring out his soul. Verse 48 says, people around him said this, be quiet. Shh. Blind Bartimaeus, just go to the side. That doesn't stop our blind Bartimaeus, man. He's like, man, he's only shouting louder now. And he's saying, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it says in verse 49, Jesus heard him, and he stopped, and he says, come here. Now remember, blind Bartimaeus was not lame. He didn't have a, a, a lame ailment. He was blind. So could you imagine a blind person making his way towards Jesus? And I don't, I don't imagine that blind Bartimaeus did this carefully. <laughs> I mean, he's shouting, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. 
And the people around him are telling him to be quiet. Well, then this changes in verse 49. As soon as Jesus says, tell him to come here, what does everybody else around him do? Oh, cheer up. (laughs) They said, come on, he's calling you. Isn't it amazing how the crowd changes? Verse 50 says, blind Bartimaeus took very careful steps towards Jesus. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It says he threw aside his coat. He's blind, people. He can't see. And he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Wow. Verse 51 says, and this is Jesus asking, what do you want for me to do, Bartimaeus? And he says, rabbi or teacher, one that I hold in high regard, I want to see. Now that phrase right there, that's not just a physical thing. He knows that he needs something spiritual in his heart and in his life. And he was passionately pursuing after Jesus. And I love this. Verse 52 says, okay, Jesus says, okay, go forth. You're healed now. So Jesus basically says, okay, I will do that for you. Now it's your turn. Now it's your choice, blind Bartimaeus. Go forth. What does that mean? That means go on your way. And I love, I love what blind Bartimaeus does. He says instantly the man could see, and it doesn't say he went his own way. He says he followed Jesus down the road. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you can't help but want to follow passionately after our Lord. There's a couple lessons we can learn from blind Bartimaeus, and then we're going to wrap it up here today. Blind Bartimaeus teaches us a few things. Number one... Jesus is the only one who can fulfill your needs. You know, we just sang about that a minute ago. Jesus is the only one that can fulfill your needs. He's the only one that could fulfill blind Bartimaeus' needs. He's really the only one that could fulfill the spiritual needs of our rich young ruler, but he made the choice not to take Jesus up on his offer. Number two, he didn't let the crowd stop him. How many times in our life do we let those around us influence what we're going to do? I see this all the time in my line of work. I'll be honest with you. Parents, they're not too happy when their kid says, man, God's calling me to ministry. Some are, but not for the most part. And so that that voice gets in their head, and maybe God's trying to do something within their life. Maybe God's trying to do something in your life, and you're listening to the crowd around you. And unlike blind Bartimaeus, you're making the choice just to take a step back and sit back on the curb of the road and wait for something else to happen. Instead of being like blind Bartimaeus and jumping up and running towards Jesus, he didn't let the crowd stop him. Number three, he threw aside everything that was holding him back. The Bible says um, that he threw off his coat. Everything that would be holding blind Bartimaeus back from Jesus, he threw it off. He didn't let the crowd stop him. He threw things away that were holding him back. And then number four, let your faith do the walking. Now remember, blind Bartimaeus was what? He was blind. But again, he didn't let that stop him. He walked, he ran towards Jesus in faith. And he was, he was healed because of his faith. 
man, we have a choice. Two different guys, right? Two different people with two different statuses in life, desiring to follow the same God. Two guys who love Jesus. One who made the decision to follow after Jesus. Both desired even to serve God, but wasn't willing to pay the price. In the end, I, I just want you to think about what character really most identifies with you in your life. And it's not just about what you're doing. Are you in love with Jesus? Are, are you letting him work within your life? Are you humbling yourself every single day? Is, is your, your Christian walk a passion within your life? As we close this morning, I, I want to read you a, a modern story or just tell you about a modern story about a, a, a young guy who was very passionate about what God was doing in his life. His name was William Townsend. William Townsend was a missionary to Guatemala in 1917. Some of you that just went to Guatemala, you can kind of relate to that area of the, of the world. And he was working with some Indian groups there and, and he began to develop a passion for, for how can I get God's word to be translated into a, a, a way these Indian people can understand God's word. And, and that became a passion within his life. And his verse that he would always go to is Matthew 18, 11 through 12. And it says, for the son of man, he came to save that which was lost. If you have a hundred sheep, but you, shouldn't you leave the 99 and go seek after the one that's gone astray? Well, in his mind, those people were the, the lost sheep. Those were the ones who were astray. And so he's, he became very passionate about seeking after what God would have him to do with this. And he founded something called the Wycliffe Bible Translators in 1917. He named the organization after John Wycliffe, who was very instrumental in translating the Bible in earlier years. This is what Townsend said. The tribes are being reached. Graphical barriers, once formidable, are overcome today because of planes and shortwave radios. The newly developed science of descriptive linguistics breaks the barriers of strange tongues. So listen to this. We know all of them must hear the message of God's love, for they are included in the Great Commission. It's amazing to me that a, a guy that's just a missionary in one part of the world, God puts a passion within his heart and his life to do something great for him. And voices around him were saying, no, this is not worth it. This small group of people is not worth it. And now today, millions and millions and millions of people are able to read God's word because William Townsend followed the passion that God had for his life. What are you passionate about? What are you living for? Living for yourself? Or is God really a priority within your life? Is he a passion within your heart and your soul? Let's pray together, all right? Dear God, we come before you and we thank you for your love to us. God, thank you for these stories, these examples in your word of, of what it means to, to, to live with passion and to really follow after you. And God, I pray that this morning, that if there's somebody here who, who hasn't made that choice of living for you, that they would do that today. Um, and maybe some of us today just need a renewal and realizing that, that you want us to serve you with everything that we have. We thank you for this in Jesus' precious name, amen.